Good evening. Thank you for coming. Tonight's class was sponsored by uh, Joseph Agai, and this is in honor of his uh, wife, Rachel Bas Yehuda. Uh, may uh, you only have bracha and hatzlacha and mazel and only, only, only good things in your family and big, big barachas to your wife uh, for health and prosperity and a lot of light and a lot of bracha in the upcoming month of Chodesh Elul and a really, really, really wonderful and great uh, new year. Uh, the CD this week was dedicated by the Smolensky family and this is in honor of the yard site yesterday on the 24th of, um, of the yard site of the, her uh, husband and father, uh, Naftali ben Alexander, all of Hashalem, uh, may his neshama have the greatest, greatest, greatest aliyah, and a lot, a lot, a lot of bracha, and and uh, uh, channeling lots and lots of blessings down to the family, and everything. And the main thing is that we should already have the geula shalema, b'mehera b'yameinu mamish 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 now, so that Naftali will be here again, rejoining his mishpacha, like it should be. Um, may that be very, 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 very soon. Or rather, just right now. We don't have to wait till soon. Um, I would like to announce now um, to everyone listening to the shir that we're having a very, very, very exciting uh, jam-packed month of Elul and Tishrei. We're going to have our spectacular life program that we've had in the past. This year, developed to a greater degree and um, more classes, I think there's about over 60 events, over 60 events that is planned happening here nonstop uh, over the next few weeks. It's very, very hard even to find an empty time. I mean, if they're looking for a date to fit something in, it's all jam-packed with inspiration, with light, with classes, with music events, with amazing stuff just to inspire and Elevate and to bring the community together and get people prepared for Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur and for Sukkot and for just a wonderful, wonderful, great year. I want to thank all those who were sponsors of this great life program. Be'ezus Hashem, you will see the emails online. You will see it on our website. You will see it also all over in markets and in stores. Uh, our beautiful program. Be'ezra Sashem on next week. Um, and uh, I hope everybody will attend and you will bring others to attend because it's really going to be special. So I'd like to just announce now, because this is the week Monday before the event, the series of our life program starts, I'd like to announce, like I'm planning to do over the next few weeks, every week on Monday to announce all the um, all the events of the upcoming week that are part of the life program. Um, so we have as follows. Being that Rosh Chodesh Elul is going to be this Shabbos, so the life program is going to begin on Shabbos with a new class. I mean, it's a class that we've done in the past, but a new shir, a new Hasidic discourse that I will be teaching Shabbos afternoon this is in preparation for Rosh Hashanah. I promise you, I can tell you clearly without, and I, I'm using a strong word that I promise, 
that if you come to this class and you learn this discourse over the next four weeks, it's impossible that it's not going to make you have a much brighter, deeper Rosh Hashanah experience. And as a result of that, a whole new year. So that's going to begin at 5.15, Shabbos afternoon. Of course, uh, those are, that's for those listening to the shir that are in the neighborhood and could come here at 5.15 and afterwards till 6.15, and it's followed by Mincha. Again, this coming Shabbos, the class begins from 5.15 till 6.15. Mincha is not going to be immediately after that, but we're starting at 5.15 because I didn't want to make a difference from the, this week and the upcoming weeks after that. But again, 5.15 for men and women. It's going to be a textual study. We're going to learn a mimer called Kia Harim Yamushu uh, from the Balatanya, from the Alter Rebbe. It's very, very invigorating, very enlivening, very powerful. So join us this Shabbos on Rosh Chodesh Elul to show that Elul is serious and we are really ready to embark on a true deep Anila Dodi Vidodi Li. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me experience. Um, the next event following immediately after that on Matzai Shabbos. This is on Saturday night. Matzai Shabbos, September 3rd. There's going to be a women's gathering here at Mayan Yisrael for women and girls. Um, and that is going to be at um, 9 p.m. It's going to be a musical event. Um, we're having uh, a few women playing instruments. It's going to be a kumzitz for women and uh, joined by a special, this is very, very great honor for us, by a special talk given by Dina Horowitz, uh, Yitzi Horowitz's wife, an unbelievable, amazing woman. And if anybody needs inspiration in their life, uh, she's the woman to, to hear. She will be speaking about, I am to my beloved. That is very, very special. Again, this is for all women here at Mayon, beginning 9 o'clock, Matzah Shabbos, September 3rd, that's this week. Make sure not to miss this event. Guitars, piano, flute, who knows what. It's going to be a beautiful evening of inspiration. Um, the next morning, it's Rosh Chodesh. So we're going to have our Elevate program. That's Rosh Chodesh Davening, in which we have Halal accompanied by guitars, and a beautiful hollow led by Moishi Storch. This is going to be this Sunday morning, followed by a breakfast. Uh, Shachris is at 7.30, and then after that, and then um, I usually give something over during breakfast about the unique qualities of the month. So that is going to be on Sunday morning. Now, on Monday evening, there's the Parsha in My Life class, Next week's title, it's going to be in the brochure. I don't remember what it is, but you'll see it. Uh, that's next week, Monday night. Um, Tuesday night, again, is a special new program for women. It's going to be a Chavrusa-style learning for women, um, in which guided Chavrusa learning, in which you're going to be given a text to prepare for, and then my daughter, Zisi Zirkind, is going to give a class on the discourse in which people are going to be learning. And she's going to help everybody, hopefully, learn a little bit how to learn yourself, which is very helpful, especially for women who didn't go to regular yeshiva. And, and women, why shouldn't women learn and know how to learn 
and that's uh, a good thing. So she's going to be teaching a mimer, Anila Doidi, next week. And it's going to be on Tuesday night. It's going to be a series of three classes. So make sure not to miss it next week, Tuesday night. That is September 6th over here at Maya. Um, then on Thursday... Oh, so now is an important thing. Thursday, there's every week going to be two classes. There's one my Mashiach class in the morning and my evening class. Um, that's the Thursday, the Thursday night cheer. But next week, I'm going to be out of town, so I'm not going to be here that Thursday to give those two classes. There might be a class Thursday night um, of a different series, but I don't want to announce it today unless I confirm the date. So we'll leave that for now. That's... Uh, the, the rest of the classes are going to be announced in the next week's shear. Uh, so again, I just wanted to give everybody a heads up of the first few events of the LIFE program. It gets far more dense as we move forward, meaning four more events coming together every night over here at Mayon. So stay tuned, and please, please, please spread the word. When you receive this email, send it out to other people, because we really, really, really have... Uh, so much good to share and to inspire so I'd like everybody to come okay thanks you for listening to all of that and now we're ready for the class um, this week Chodesh Elul begins on Shabbos and I'd like to find a little connection between the month of Elul and the Parsha that we're starting the Parsha that we read this week is Parsha Re'eh and it is Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Elul now I come from Stachina Chassidim and today someone told me today Mamash in the morning that when he was in Bell Harbor uh, and he went to the Stachina Rebbe, who I grew up by, the old, previous Stachina Rebbe, is a very big tzaddik. And he told him, and then on that, on that Shabbos, that Re'eh stands for Rosh HaChodesh Elul. So Rosh HaChodesh Elul always comes out in, in Re'eh. And that's actually the Rosh HaTevis. Rosh Aleph Hey, Rosh HaChodesh Elul. And um, it's a very, very, very powerful time. And there must be a connection between the parsha, especially since the Torah is supposed to inspire us. What we read in the Torah portion is always supposed to inspire us for and give us the insight and the guidance of what we're supposed to do during this particular time. So let's see if we can find the connection in Parshas Re'eh to Chodesh El. But first, a little bit about the month of El. El is the time, it's the last month of the year. It's the time when we have to do soul searching. It's the time that we have to make. It's called the Chodesh HaCheshban. It's the month of accounting, a month of calculation. We prepare, we summarize. We have to fix anything that needed to be fixed in the past year. This is the time to fix it. What's so amazing is even if we made a ginormous, gigantic mess, we can clean it all up. Tshuva happens. Hashem is so willing to accept tshuva. And tshuva is in the hands of every person. And the Eberster is, is, and we know it, 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 it happens instantly as soon as a person has a change of heart. Of course, we have to mean it with all of our heart. So um, that's one thing. We correct that which we messed up in the past or even more important than what we messed up. All the good that we could have done, we were empowered to do that we didn't do. We have time now to get it done. One more month to get it done, what needed to be done, what ought to be done. Number one. It also is the month in which we prepare for the up-and-coming year. That means we have to look forward um, and make plans. Make plans of how next year is going to be a far richer year in terms of our connection to Hashem, in terms of our service of Hashem. What are we going to uh, take upon ourselves in the upcoming year, not just to be continuing living 
in, in, without any progress. A person has to have progress in his life. So in L is when we begin thinking about what kind of changes can we make to better our spiritual selves and our connection to God and live a more purposeful, meaningful life. So we know that the sages tell us, it's brought in Sfarim, that in order to understand what are the avenues and what we need to improve or how we can enhance our connection to Hashem during the month of Elul. So there are five Rashi Tevis, which means there are five acronyms that are brought in Svarim that give off or express the content of this unique and special month. And of course the famous one is Anil Dodi Vidodi Li that everybody knows. I am to my beloved. My beloved is to me. Which, which, which expresses a general coming close. A general closeness in which we have an opportunity during this month to come close to our Creator in a way unmatched and unparalleled in any other time of the year. However, the sages tell us there are other acronyms, and they are as follows. In the Pasuk in, in, um, in Pashas Nitzavim, I think it's in Pashas Nitzavim, maybe it's in Pashas Vayelech, it says, that God, your God, is going to circumcise your heart and your heart of your children. So the words es levavcha, the es levav, which means your heart and the heart of, referring to God removing that which is clogging the heart. Every Jew has a warm heart. Every Jew has a deep love and a deep connection to God, to Hashem. The problem is, things get in the way. Sometimes there's certain, you know, our overindulgence in the material can be a, can be a block Sometimes the trials and tribulations and difficulties and hardships in a person's life cause a numbness of the heart and an insensitivity, whatever it is. These are things that cause a blockage and a, and a, and a, and a, and a blocking of our, our feelings to Hashem. So God, Hashem says that when Mashiach will come, He will circumcise our hearts. As we will make us be able to feel what a Jewish heart really ought to feel. And that is passionate, fervent, and, 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 and powerful love to Hashem. So the word es levav, es levav, your heart and the heart and the heart is Rosh Tevis El. So that's another one. Okay? Now there is another Pasuk. It says when a person is running away um, because he chas took a life accidentally. Unintentionally a person chas uh, brought about the uh, a death of another human being if he didn't intend. So the rule is that that person should run to a safe haven, to a city of refuge called an Ar-Ir Miklat. So the Pasuk over there says, and he stays there, and there he's protected and shielded because the relative, the Goyal Adam, um, the relative of the deceased, cannot take revenge and take his life. If he steps out of the Ir Miklat, then he is vulnerable to be attacked by the relative who is seeking to avenge the the death of his of his of his friend, of his of his relative, so um, the words the Torah uses over there is that God, if the person didn't intend to murder the other person, instead, Hashem is the one that made it, brought it to his hand. God forbid, do this act. Then Hashem says, I will create for you a place where you can escape. So the words, I think it's Darizal, says, it stands for Elul. 
which means to tell you that Elul is a month where it is a safe haven. That if we need a getaway, because we have all kinds of pursuing um, beings, maybe we have accusing angels, uh, various different accusers who are coming after us, that we need to pay a debt, or that we have to and be punished for things that we've done wrong, we can run into the month of, he- of Elul and enter into the month. Entering in means you're consumed by it. That's what it means, you're inside of it. Because we can pass by Elul and not be in it. So the point of it is to be in it. To be in it means you, all day long, not just in a moment in shul, you hear the shofar ringing in your ears all day long. It is constantly telling you, it's Elul, it's Elul, it's Elul. I got to, I got, I, Elul, you know, you can't behave like you behave ordinarily. That means you're in the month. So then you're protected, you're sheltered, and chas v'shalom, no harm can, be, can befall you. That's another Rasha Tevis. And then there's another Rasha Tevis, which is the one uh, which is talking about, comes from Megillah Esther. And in Megillah Esther it says that um, on Purim, we ought to give gifts to the poor. So it says, and with two things, you give presents to your friends, and then you give also gifts to the poor. So the word, there's a pasuk over there that says, Matanes I'm sorry, um, that's not part of the acronym. And then the next words are, Ish a man to his fellow and gifts to the poor. So here too, acronym Elul. Ish l'reyeyu umatanois le'avyoinim alef lamed vav lamed. Elul. Which obviously is telling us that in the month of Elul, we should increase in gifts to the poor. As we know, we say on Rosh Hashanah, we say, tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, mavir and We're supposed to increase our charitable acts, our giving of tzedakah. Fine. There are four that I mentioned, but there's a fifth one. The fifth acronym of the month of Elul is, it says in Uz Yashir, by the song when the Jewish people sang for the first time, it says that the people said, Uz Yashir Moshev Ne Yisrael, Es Hashira Hazois, Es Hashira Hazois, Vayom Rulemar, and they said, saying, Ashira Lashem. So the words Vayomru Lemoir Ashira Lashem is also Rasha Tevis Elo. Vayomru Lemar, you have the Vav Lamid, Ashira Lashem Aleph Lamid. So you have the Aleph Lamid and the Vav Lamid Elo. Not, not in the di- direct order, but you have those four letters right, which is, by the way, tells you that Elo is supposed to be a song. Elul is not supposed to be a dreadful, dark, frightening experience. Uh, it's supposed to be a singing time. It's a time that you're freed. You're coming out of constrictions. You're coming out of limitations. You're, when did the Jewish people sing? They sang during the time of Giyula. So this is a pasuk of redemption. So there is redemption quality in Elul. So we have these five Rosh Hashanahs. So now let's, for a moment, try to sort this out. What do these five Rosh Tevis mean? What are they teaching us? Everyone has to be, it's not just nice things. It says about the month of El, each one is a lesson and a guidance in our life. So the idea is as follows. The first one that's very important is, I will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children. That circumcision of the heart means to remove the blockages, the mechitza shel barzel, God forbid, the iron curtain that's separating Ben Yisrael, Aviyem Shabbat 
And we know that that is tshuva. So the Pasuk Umal Hashem Alekecha Es Levavcha Es Levav Zarecha is talking about doing tshuva. Now, doing tshuva means I can't stand the barrier. It hurts me. See, doing tshuva is not about I'm bad, I want to be good. That's selfish. That's not holiness. That's not godliness. I'm bad, okay, and I'm good. So I'm good. I'm good is also about yourself. So it's really all about you. So what, what is that? Yiddishkeit is not about being, becoming anything. Yiddishkeit is about serving your Creator, being in a relationship with Hashem. That's what it's about. So it's, tshuva is not just about I need to become good, but rather tshuva is I need to get closer. Tshuva means to return. To return to who? To return into the relationship. We're all created by God. We all, Hashem loves us all. Hashem puts us in the world. We're all children. We become estranged as a result of us not paying attention, not taking our lives seriously, not looking at ourselves as being who we really are, the one and only child of Hashem in this world on a very, 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 very infinitely important mission. We become far blunted, we become disoriented, we become unfocused, we, become, we get into all kinds of other stuff. So this is the idea of tshuva. Tshuva means returning to the relationship. And how do you do that? So God says, and this month I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you remove that stuffiness, the clogginess, the vayishman yeshurin vayivot. The Jewish people became fat, vayivot, and they rebelled that clogging of the heart, the fat that clogs the arteries of the heart, of the spiritual heart, to feel, to sense God, needs to be removed. That's tshuva. Okay. However, tshuva is a general thrust. There is a sense that I need to get out. I need to change my life. My life as it is now is not good because I'm completely obsessed with myself and with my own stupidities. I need to change that. I, I need to get close to Hashem. That's what I want. I need to check, change the direction in your life, in my life. But that's a very general thing. Now you need to take that general, powerful frustration and inspiration and you have to put it into practical change. What are the practical change? Well, how do we serve God? We serve Hashem primarily in three ways. What did Chazal tell us? The world stands on three things. The general, all of Torah and mitzvahs are really divided into three categories. There is the right side, the left side, and the middle, corresponding to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Avram, we know, is gemilas chasadim, kindness. And Yitzchak, we know, is divine service called avoda. And then there is Yaakov, which is Torah, which is the center. So, there is, in our service of Hashem, you have all those mitzvahs that are related to the right side, mainly all the things that have to do with being kind and giving and caring for others. That's a, a big deal of what's called gemilas chasadim. Then you have stuff that have to do with spiritual, with refinement, elevating ourselves and elevating the world. That is more related to avoda, which includes pray all of our davening. Every time we're lifting ourselves up to Hashem, like similar to a sacrifice, to a carbon. All, all forms of spiritual refinement, of becoming a little bit more sensitive and more refined and closer to Hashem in that sense, that is on the left side. And as again, 
Today, the main substitute for avoda in the Beis Hamikdash is davening. But it's not only davening; it's all the brachas we make and all the benching and all that. That's all on the left. Okay, all the discipline elements and mitzvahs also as well. It's on the left side. And then finally, there is Torah study. So, if you want to become a better Jew in Elul, if you have a strong and powerful conviction and a motivation to make a change, so we have to get started. And we have to get started in all these three things. One has to increase his Torah study. Torah is the lifeline of a Jew. You cannot just say, I will do more mitzvahs. You need to. It could be increasing, could be two minutes, if that's all you can do. But it's two minutes, and it's two minutes every day. If you're able to, and you know everybody knows their capabilities, it might be for someone adding five hours of Torah study. If that's their capacity, if they're wasting their time and not doing what they need to do, it can be five, ten hours of Torah study. But everybody has to be honest of themselves. What they could add, we need to add. Seriously. The month of Elul comes, a person has to say, starting on this Shabbos, I'm going to add, I'm going to minimize my Shabbos shluf, my sleep, just with a few minutes. And I'm going to learn, and maybe I'll come to the shir at Mayan. Good idea. To increase my Torah study. Okay? So that's, that's and, and every day, something. Some extra learning during El. That is the Pasuk, that is hinted to in the next Rosh Hashanah. We spoke earlier, escaping to the Ir Miklat, running to the um, city of refuge. Why? Because the city of refuge is called, the city of refuge is called, a, Torah is called an Ir Miklat. Why? Chazal say that just like an Ir Miklat Koltin, just like an Ir Miklat, the city of refuge, shields, it absorbs, it takes the person in and shelters him from everything. Chazal say, Af Divrei Torah, Torah Koltin, they absorb a person, they surround you, these holy words surround you and literally protect you from chas v'shalom, all kinds of negative yetzaharaz, evil inclinations, or all kinds of other forces that might chas v'shalom want to harm a person's neshama, a person who studies Torah. We know the famous story that even the Malach is the angel of death, could not take the soul of the tzaddikim who learned Torah every minute, since they were in a state of dveikus with Hashem. With David HaMelech, we know how the Satan had to distract him. And the same it was with Rabbah as well. That the Gemara says that the Yitzhak couldn't, the angel of death couldn't get him because he was studying Torah. So Torah is a shield, it's a protection. So that's the Pasuk. In the month of Elul, we need to escape to a city of refuge, means increase our Torah study. Then, the next thing we do is, Ani ledodi, vedodi li, I am to my beloved. How do you feel that you are to your beloved? What's the first thing in your marriage that shows that you're enhancing your marriage you care, you're interested in the relationship. The, the first and most important thing is that you're communicating, you're talking to each other. If the marriage gets cold and you never talk to your spouse, you never talk to your wife, means you don't have much to do with her. And she doesn't have much to do with you, there's no relationship. So obviously if you want to get close, if you want to, um, the Indian of, of, uh, of, um, of Anila Dodi Vedodi Li is related to prayer. Because in prayer, what's prayer? Prayer is a time to converse with God. To talk to Hashem. So therefore, is, which, what does that mean in practical sense? We've been davening anyways. It means increasing the davening. Generally, probably for most people it would mean, if, again, depending, I mean, for most people, everybody on their level, someone who only davens shachris, for whatever reason, should add and daven mincha. If you only daven shachris and mincha, not the evening myra, do that as well. Now, 
If you're doing all three davens, maybe you should daven in shul all three prayers if you haven't been going to Minyan. Or if you've been going to Minyan and you're davening very quickly, maybe put your mind into the davening. Maybe shut your cell phone when you're davening, that there's no distractions. Things like that. But the point is, there has to be some kind of an increased awareness that it's Elul now and it's a time for better communication with God. Through prayer. Now, the third connection that we all have with Hashem, and the third thing is, we said before, is Gemilas Chasadim, doing kindness. So that's the other Pasuk. Charitable acts. That's what we increase. You increase your tzedakah during the month of El. Everybody ought to be doing that as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so those are the three things. So you're taking your tshuva, and you're actualizing it into practical observance. There is now something you're doing to make a change in your life. And finally, what's the other one? Is redemption. So what does redemption have to do with all of this? So we can say, and that would be the easiest way to approach this, is to say like this. When you do tshuva, and especially if your tshuva is real, and what's the, what's the, what's the proof that tshuva is real? There is a consequence. What's the consequences? There is improvement. In what? In practical, not just I want. There is some concrete um, actions that are taken that show that Hashem and, and it reveals that you're taking your relationship with Hashem very seriously. Then what? That leads to, to, to redemption. What does the Rambam say? That Hefticha Torah, that the Torah promises. There's a promise from God. The Torah makes a promise. Shasidin Yisrael Lasas Tshuva. That Yidin are going to do tshuva in the end of days, or miyad heinigalim, and instantly, tshuva brings giula. God has no reason to keep us here in exile another day, another moment. Hashem is waiting. There has to be tshuva. The moment the Jewish people do tshuva, then we're redeemed. If that's the case, so that's public. That's for everybody. But on a personal note, an individual note. If a Jew does tshuva, then on his own personal level, he is redeemed. And that's the fifth Rosh Tevis of El. Fifth Rosh Tevis of Tevis, Ashira Lashem, Vayom Rolema Ashira Lashem. When you do tshuva, and you actually did something, and this, it's so good to talk about this now. Because we generally, most of us, because, I don't know, I talk for myself, not for most of us, I talk for me. You know what happens is, you, you keep on pushing it off, and then, you realize, oh my goodness, it's two days left for El. It's, oh, it's Erev Rosh Hashanah already. And like, I'm such a lousy whatever. I didn't do anything. So it's so important to, and not just to talk about this, but to internalize this, internalize it. To really take time this week before El begins to actually make a plan for the month. Put it into your calendar on your phone. Have it buzz extra. Tzedakah, have these alarms set off. It's your be your Elul alarm. You can even choose a special song for it, right? So it'll buzz you with that special Elul song, whatever it is, and you'll remember. So you'll do something about it. What's going to happen is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is still serious. Yom Kippur is very serious. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. But without any doubt, Sukkot is going to come along, and without any doubt, you are going to sit down in a sukkah, Vayom Rulemor, you're going to say to everybody over there, Ashir Hashem, I want to sing to God. That's the way we're going to feel. You feel, you feel it. You feel liberated. A person feels 
liberated. And when you feel liberated, you want to sing. Sometimes it's so painful, you come sukkahs, and you see there's a festive mood, and people are really, really singing and dancing and into it. And you ever had that experience? You like wonder, like, what in the world's going on? Why? Why is everybody so into this? You feel so left out. Because you realize, and sometimes people, they say a little lachaim, and they start crying. And the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, said once when he saw someone crying at Simchas Torah, he said, had he cried on Elul or Rosh Hashanah, then he wouldn't be crying now. It's like, it's like that time, we wake up and say, Oy gewald, oy gewald. Everybody's so happy with their reaffirmed connection to the Yebishter, I don't feel, I still feel the heaviness, I still feel the blockages. Hopefully we don't have any blockages. So we can sing. And again, it's in everybody's hands. It's not like there's a, everybody can do this. So then you can sing. But according to this, the fifth Rosh Tevis, the fifth acronym of El, is different than the other four. The other four imply work. You have to work. What's your work? Either general tshuva, which is work, or the, the, the details. Learning more Torah, giving more tzedakah, um, uh, investing more in your prayer. Okay, these are all work. The, fir- the, the fifth one is a consequence. It's not an avayda. However, if we think a little bit deeper, we realize that the fifth one is not just a consequence which happens on sukkis as a result, and when we're singing, as a result of our avayda in El, but rather it's a also a direction on how we're supposed to serve God. From day one in Elul, we ought to serve Hashem in a manner of a redemption. In the state of Ayoimri Leimoy Rashiro Lashem. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have what's called a Seder Ha'avoida? In order, a, 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 a type of service to Hashem that is a Geula Diga one. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Avoda, it's a service of God that is, one, is a Mashiach Diga Avoda. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not an Avoda with constriction, but it's really a, a Geula Diga. It's a, re, it's a liberated Avoda. So what does that mean? So in order to understand this, let's get a deeper understanding in the quality and in the greatness of tshuva. See, Chazal says something a very interesting statement. They say that a person should be all his life b'tshuva umaisem toivim, with repentance and good deeds. And that's a very, very, very ideal thing. All my life I should be with tshuva and maisem toivim. Should always do good deeds and do tshuva. The problem over here is, why do they use the term tshuva umaisem toivim? First of all, Tshuva is not shaykh to everybody. It's only you have to sin first. Especially if you're doing it all your if you're doing maisem toivim all your life, good deeds all your life, then what? Then you don't have to do tshuva. So the tshuva is only if there's a if there's a flaw in the maisem toivim. If there's a lack, if there's an absence, if chas v'shalom a person exchanged the maisem toivim, the good deeds, and did something else instead of it. So you have to do so you have to do tshuva. But more than that, the words should have been the opposite: maisem toivim, and then tshuva. Because what's the first requirement of a Jew? Of each and every one. First thing, you're educated by your parents to do good things. If chas v'shalom, you didn't listen, and you didn't do good things, then what? Now you have a chance to do tshuva. So it should have been maisim toivim, and tshuva for the lapse of the maisim toivim. For whatever is missing in the maisim toivim, you have to do tshuva. What's the lotion of tshuva or maisim toivim? And here is a very, very deep idea, and a very, very powerful and a very important one. 
Maisim, the words Maisim, even if you don't add the word Tovim, Maisim, really true Maisa, true actions, mean worthy actions. Empty, foolish, silly, superficial actions that are done without any, with, for nothing, can't really be called a true activity. The real actions of a person's life is when you're doing something holy, godly, meaningful, real. That's my son. Tovim means something else. Tovim is a quality of light. Hashem saw that light is good. So if we are to now translate then based on that, what does Maisim Tovim mean? It doesn't mean mitzvah, the deeds of mitzvahs. That's Maisim on its own. It means luminous deeds. Following? It means that the mitzvahs that you're doing should be luminous. They should be full of light. That's more than just doing mitzvahs. And that, and it, now, so how do you get Maisim Tovim? How does one get that their mitzvahs should shine with a brilliant light? That's if they do tshuva before they do the mitzvah. That's what tshuva does to the mitzvahs. Tshuva umaisim tovim. When a Jew, when any one of us is in a state, in a mindset of tshuva, then when the consequential mitzvahs that we do are maisim tovim. So what does that mean? We all know what the sages tell us. That a bal tshuva is higher than a tzaddik. That b'makam shabalei tshuva oimdim, the place that a bal tshuva stands, the tzaddik cannot stand. So let's a little dig a little deeper. Why is a bal tshuva better, higher, greater than someone who never sinned? This is a, it's a righteous person. He's been doing everything that God wants all his life. So why is the bal tshuva greater? So we already spoke about this at various times, but I think I just want to go with something very, very simple. It's very simple. The, simplest, the simple answer of this is, Mepharshim say this, the simple answer is, because when someone has never tasted the taste of sin, someone has never been exposed to the various different delights and pleasures that the world has to offer, that the Yetzirah and the negative has to offer, and there are pleasures in the world that are a sensation to the body. Obviously, they're a destruction and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a devastation to the soul. They devastate the soul, but to the body, to, his, to the most external element of a human being, they could be pleasurable. So a person that has lived in absolute seclusion, a person that has never seen the world, never seen the pleasures of the world, and the person has been educated and follows all his life, the dictates of his parents, his teachers, and lives surrounded in a world of holiness, and that's basically all he sees and all her, he or she knows. So when they're doing mitzvahs, there isn't an element of overcoming. There's nothing to overcome because there's no temptation. So what am I doing? This is my life. This is my reality. My reality is going to the base medrash every day, sitting down, taking out a Gemara. Now is the Gemara sweet? Of course it's sweet. Do I enjoy learning? Yes. Do I, do I enjoy doing a mitzvah? Yes. Do I love Shabbos? Yes. Do I jo- it's wonderful. I'm not complaining. I'm enjoying my life. And I'm not even curious to know what's on the other side. There are people I know that way. They lived completely in Kedusha all their life. It's their only world they know. And their sensation is the Chassidosh and Nigen. They sing in there by the, by the Rebbe's Tish and this and that. There's nothing else going on in their world. And they're not even given a cell phone. Because you're not allowed to have a, 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 a phone. And you're not allowed to have a this. And you're not allowed to have a that. 
and they're very, very, very sheltered, and there's nothing else going on. Uh, some of them are very, very, very feel very claustrophobic, but some are very happy, especially those that were successful, learned and davened, and went into a, a, a state, and this is and developed in that. It's beautiful. But again, you don't need the energy to fight because there's not really much to fight. There's not much Yetzirah. Of course, there's always a little Yetzirah of laziness and tiredness, but there's not really like amazing thing to fight, fight. Shabbos is not a struggle. By this person, I mean, not keeping Shabbos is unheard of. It's not, not possible. It doesn't exist in his or her world the possibility of not keeping Shabbos or eating something that's not kosher or engaging in a forbidden relationship. These things don't even enter the person's mind. They don't exist in their world. So of course, you're keeping all the mitzvahs. It's wonderful. But there is no overcoming anything. So the energy that they need to invest in order to be a tzaddik and to be a shulchan arach, adherent Jew, who's always following and doing what God wants, did not require much effort on their part. So they, they conclude their life and everybody's clapping and 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 very very happy that this person is a person filled with light and filled with goodness, but it's not the ultimate accomplishment. But then you have a person who's been around the block, and has not only been around the block and seen the temptations and the and all that which the other side, the unholy, has to offer, but actually succumbed to temptation. And succumbed to temptation not once, not twice, not three times. Sometimes. To a point where it's like they, they, the temptation and the and that which is negative has a powerful, powerful iron grip on the on the person, and uh, and they struggle and they have to fight and fight because there's a certain time where there's a certain awareness because when you reach when you hit rock bottom there's a certain point where you say enough is enough I can't have my soul being destroyed I need to change my life and from there it takes. It takes superhuman strength. It takes, and of course, we know without Hashem's assistance, forget about it. It takes complete nullification and bittle to the Abishter and a powerful determination where you draw strength that you don't even know that you have to overcome your habits and your, your, your addictions or whatever it is that the person is stuck in. And everybody has their issues in which they get stuck in. And then the person is not doing, not repeating that which it is, and doing good things. And every time they wake up every morning, there is, it says in the beginning of the parasha, Hashem says, see, I've given before you two ways, the blessing that you will listen, and the curse. Now they've already learned firsthand that this is a curse. It's not like the person when they're still beginning to experiment, like a teenager smoking a cigarette the first time, second time, it's like, ah, mamesh, the biggest bracha. I'm the biggest kanaker on the block. I smoke a cigarette, right? So the person feels so tremendously good because he knows how to smoke. It's a person that chas v'sholem has been through the horrors and has been already to the cardiologist and it's chas v'sholem had already the heart attack or the lung, whatever, as a result of all the cigarettes that he's had. And now he has to fight however to go. So he knows what's right, what's wrong, but it's still a struggle. It's a powerful struggle. So this person has to fight. Fight. So this person is drawing forth his Yiddishkeit, his observance, his connection to God is at a very high price. And all that effort goes in just to maintain his connection to Hashem. So of course the Balchuvah's avoda, his service, he's much higher than the tzaddik. Because the, what takes the tzaddik, the minimal effort, this person has to invest beyond what we can understand effort in just to, to, to remain 
to keep his balance as a, as a Jew and do the right thing. That's the avoda baltruva. Now the truth is, emesis that one can say, "Well, if that's the story, then who in the world? Why are we encouraging people to even beat tzaddikim when we are already keeping everybody in? Shouldn't we send all the young kids out?" to do all the sins in the world they can and then they're going to reach a point of such breakage and then they're going to do tshuva and then, whoa, because we can... So first of all, we don't know. Sometimes a person gets lost and can't, doesn't make his way out. Every, every neshama is going to come back but you don't know if it's begilgal zeh or begilgal acher. Sometimes it takes an, a reincarnation. And we don't want to take that chance. But there's another thing. You don't have to go and sin in order to be a balchu. Even a tzaddik can be a balchu. And that is because, in a sense, our neshama, before it came down into this world, all of our neshamas were tzaddikim. A neshama in heaven is a tzaddik. That's the state of every neshama. Because, what is a tzaddik? A neshama in heaven, is a, a tzaddik is a state of complete attachment to God. When the neshama is in heaven, before it comes into a body, there are no, there are no um, choices. There's only one reality. The only reality that exists in heaven is the reality of Hashem Echod, of God. That's the only pleasure, that's the only delight. There's nothing but God, but holiness. So the Nishama's connection to Hashem when it is in heaven is a tzaddik. When the Nishama comes down into this world, the mere fact that it enters into a body and it begins to sense its physical needs and physical, just just physicality, and so much time in one's life goes away for physical things, there is already a struggle. There is already a struggle. And you need to invest energy to overcome. So I'm saying, true, yes, there are extreme cases of tshuva, but every person can be a bal tshuva. Because when, especially when the person recognizes like the Balchuva recognizes how deeply in trouble he is, how messed up he has become, and is yearning and burning with a burning desire to come back, and knows that no matter how, no matter what amount of energy is needed, he is willing to put forth that effort in order to get back to a healthy place and a good place. In a sense, every person can make that same calculation. Because do you, if I realize how close I was when before my neshama came down in a body, I realize that it has been severely, severely compromised by coming down in a body, even if I'm doing the best to be a good Jew all the time. So that creates within the person the drive, again, to not just do, but to do, to do more because you're fighting. You're fighting against the, separate, the natural disconnect that the body causes. So even a tzaddik can be a malchuvah. Now let's understand something. When you are doing mitzvahs, like a Balchuva, with that mindset, that you need to compensate for the disconnect, you need to overcome, you need to fight, so you put all this extra energy into the mitzvah. You're not just doing the... Again, when a person has no choice and there's nothing else existing, so this is your, this is your, this is your day. You wake up in the morning, you're wrapped filling. But you realize, but when you sense the tension, there are other options. My body, I have, and yet I'm overcoming and I'm pushing myself in the observance of a mitzvah. Or... Let's say there's no question, chas v'shom, that I won't put on tefillin. But when I recognize that when I'm putting on tefillin, had I put on tefillin when I was in a shaman, not in a body, 
I wouldn't be Masiach Das, which means I wouldn't divert my attention even one second. Not only that, at the time that I'm wearing tefillin, which tefillin is God's, it's mamish, the deepest connection. I'm plugging my brain into God's brain. I would have been trembling in awe, and I would have been shaking like a leaf, because I'm wearing tefillin, and look at me doing it now. I might tune in for a minute over here, and a minute over there, and then my thought is thinking, I'm talking about even at Sadiq, who is generally recognizes that it's not like he was before, so that prompts the person to add so much more into it, and that's when his mitzvah becomes an illuminated mitzvah. It's a mitzvah with energy. It's got the energy of the balchuva. That's what Chazal say. Tshuva umaisim toivim. Doing tshuva first, and when you do tshuva, what does the tshuva do to the mitzvah? It makes the mitzvah come alive and become a maizantav. So what do we have now? What are we noticing now? A tzaddik's connection to God is limited. A balchuva's connection to God is unlimited. Why is it unlimited? Because again, because there is the choice, because there are, he needs to overcome so then he's breaking boundaries. He's really driving extra power into his mitzvahs. So who's expressing a deeper connection? The Balchuva is connected. Again, the tzaddik, the tzaddik his, we can almost say, is on, is on, 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 um, is on automatic. As everything he does is automatically holy. So there's not, you don't have to dig out deep resources. The Balchuva is, 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 is demonstrating there are choices. I could do other things. What's the proof? I've done other things. And even when I have the choices, I choose you, God. That's showing on a certain limitless, there's no limitations. You know, see? It's very deep. It's what is being expressed over here is that my connection to Hashem has no boundaries. It's limitless. Even when you put difficult challenges in front of me, I will overcome them and do the godly thing. But, here's, a, here's the big but. And that is that there is a difference. There is a difference. There is still a limitation. There's still a limitation. Because the Balchuva, what's prompting him to do the right thing? Why is he doing the right thing? He is doing the right thing because he's already seen the consequences of the dark side. I mean, again, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is very, very sweet in the beginning, but it's very, 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 it's very bitter at the end. So everybody knows all the temptations and all the enjoyments and all the pleasures, they, they don't provide what they say they will provide. They, 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 they seem to tell you they're going to make you so happy and you're going to be such a happy person. Like you always see those advertisements. Like if you would just have your ultimate car or if you would go on the ultimate vacation or if you will go on the ultimate, oh wow, this will finally transform your life and give you... And then you see all these people that have everything in their life that they want and they're all day long visiting shrinks and people. Because there's the, the, that is not providing... People are searching for meaning in other ways. Because that doesn't provide. The material pleasures of the world do not satisfy the soul. Because the soul was not created to find fulfillment in these things. Fine. So what is the mind? So how does a Balchuva choose the right thing? He uses his intellect and his recognition that I have choices. And this is superior to this. Now as we said, it takes a lot, a lot of effort 
to choose good over bad. And Hashem tells us in the beginning of the parsha, see, I'm giving you both choices. I am helping you. Choose life. That's Hashem is telling us. I'm giving you, and this week it doesn't say actually, it says somewhere else. But you recognize this is the bracha, this is the klala. You want the blessing, so choose the blessing. So there is a choice of reason that's coming in. So my connection to holiness is coming from my appreciation of the value of the holy and the good over the unholy and the bad. Recognizing how the, how the unholy falls short and ultimately is a miserable thing to follow. Fine, we'll bring only misery. And this will really bring true satisfaction and connection, eternal satisfaction and goodness. So I understand that. But it's based on my intellect. But then there is something deeper. And this is what we're getting to right now. There is something deeper. Something deeper is when a person is not the tzaddik, which doesn't even have a choice because the unholy doesn't exist in his psyche. Not the balchuva. What's the balchuva? The balchuva has two ways in front of him and is choosing good, but is always fighting with the temptation that's pulling him and it always needs to overcome. But then there is a third dimension. What's the third dimension? The person that has been through The person that has seen, experienced, and gone and, 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 and have been exposed to the, that which is unholy and ungodly in this world. But then they've dug out, they've dug out their neshama so deeply and so revealed their soul. that they reach a point that they're beyond the struggle. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What that means is like this. There is a person, there is a, the Gemara says, in the Gemara Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, the Gemara says, Rab Masna, one of the sages, said an interesting thing. Most people take this as a cynical statement. But it's not a cynical statement, it's something very deep. Ramasna said, not a cynical statement, but a, I don't know what the right word would be, but uh, maybe cynical. I'm not to say that a, that a sage is saying something cynical, but something that is like putting, showing on the frailty and the weakness of a human being. Ramasna says, I have to thank my body. I, I need to really thank my body because when it comes to modim, it bows down on its own. The Menav Shekara, when it comes to Shemona Esrei, so we all know, like the body does what it needs to do, Slach right? These are things that are so pre-programmed. So the body bows down when it comes to Modim. So generally it's seen like, okay, what does that mean? What is he saying? He's saying, take a look, we are so distracted during davening, our mind is flying in a thousand places. But Baruch Hashem, it's not embarrassing because the body will like find, it will do like all the emotions, the person has no idea that he even davened, doesn't even know what happened. But the body kind of ran through the motions. And you have to thank the body. But really in truth, there is a very, very, very deep holiness that Ramasana is talking about. And that is that 
when a person can reveal his his neshama so deeply in his in his in his life, that um, that which is godly and that which is holy becomes so instinctive and natural to who you are. That which is anti-holy and anti-godly is something that instinctively you reject. And the word is instinct. You see, an animal as well has instincts. An animal will keep away from anything that will harm it instinctively. It's not calculating it intellectually. It doesn't have to read the books on the damage of smoking to one's lungs. It doesn't have to read the books to realize this kind of, the benefits of this or the bad. It doesn't need to. It's pre-programmed instinctively. So it's a halacha in Shulchan Arach. It's in Chesha Mishpat that an animal, to a certain halacha, will not jump into a fire on its own. Because an animal knows that the fire will harm it. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing. When we so identify with our neshama, when we refine ourselves so much, and we allow our neshama, when we remove all the cloggings and all the elements that block on our neshama, and fully reveal our soul in our bodies, and we start living in true soul consciousness, without the darkness of the body or the animal consciousness, the human, and we let the soul shine in its true pristine beauty, then we don't have to intellectually choose a good thing. We don't have to use our minds to tell us why it's not good for me to do so and so because of all calculations. No matter what these calculations are, you don't need it. Why? Because an neshama is a piece of God. And if an neshama is a piece of God, it cannot do something that is anti-Hashem. It cannot do it. Just like an animal cannot jump in fire. It has to do a mitzvah because that's what an, that's its life. It's not a question of I'm choosing, it's good, it's something I want. I, I cannot not do it. This is just who I am. And it's different than the tzaddik. The tzaddik is doing what he is supposed to do because he never saw another option. That the other option was never given. And then you never know. You put the tzaddik and take him out of Meshaarim, out of that enclave of Kedush and holiness, and put him in the middle of Vegas, you never know what's going to be with it. Let him stay there for a couple of months. You don't know what's going to be. He has never made that choice. You don't know. But we're talking about someone that saw the world, everything. But he's, per, he's gotten so deeply involved, his tshuva is so deep and so strong, that his neshama has completely consumed his entire identity. And now he's living off the, off the experience of a soul. He's not a human being carrying a neshama. He is his neshama. And when you are your neshama, then what? Then what is holy is holy, and that which is unholy is unthinkable. Not because you're choosing this because it's a choice you want to. It's because this is who you are. You cannot not be... That expresses the ultimate infinite bond between a Jew and Hashem. Your connection is... Anything that's anti-godly doesn't... It's, 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 it's out of the question. It's not you are deciding. The idea is it's beyond the Bechira. It's beyond... That's called redemption. That's Geulah. When Mashiach comes, we know the whole world is going to live in a state of what? The spirit of impurity is going to go away, it's going to be removed. 
So how do most people think of it? What does Mesruach HaTum Ha'avim and Ars mean? Hashem is going to remove every non-Tzniyas billboard. There's going to be a vad, a vad of Tzniyas, and they're going to go around the whole world and take every, every whatever and remove it. So no one is going to see anything that's not Tzniyas in the world. Right? Chas v'shalom. The Taliban is going to be in charge of like chasing every woman that's not dressed sneeze or anything that's happening and it's the cause of the world is going to be very pure and very holy. So, so I'm not going to have temptation because it's not going to be any... But hold it. If you're full of temptation still from Gullus, you're going to be walking around, running around, searching for a temptation like you're looking for chametz. No? Think about it. Imagine. Think about it. The Abraham is going to do that. Then you're going to be plotting. You're not going to do it yourself. No, what just to do it yourself? Because you had all the taiva now. Now God took away all the opportunity. It's going to become the most boring, horrific kind of life. Think about it. Especially with all the memories of all. And it's going to be like when the Jews went out of Mitzrayim. They said, "Remember the fish. Remember the onions. We ate in Mitzrayim." And the person's going to say, "Oi, gevalt! What has the Abraham done?" So that's not what it means. As Ruach Atuma Avim and Aretz means we're all going to mature. Suddenly our souls will open up. Suddenly in our consciousness, our deepest selves are going to open up and we're going to realize how godly we are. So the, 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 the unholy is going to lose essentially its appeal from within, not from without. That's Geula, that's redemption. Now there's nothing to constrict you, there's nothing to trap you. Because from within you are one with Hashem. And anything that is not godly is not true. So automatically it doesn't exist. So even if the billboard is there, or even it's a gate nishtan, it doesn't touch me, it doesn't reach me, it doesn't speak to me. It's not because I cannot. Anything that is, that is not holy and godly is, is, is irrelevant. Elokus is real. Ebishter is real. That's Giyula. That's song. That's Ashira Hashem ki goi go. So it's interesting. In the beginning of the parsha, when we read Bracha, we're not yet holding by Geula. Over there, we're still talking about our choices. There is blessings. There is curses. You should choose the right thing because you know that with the mitzvah comes the bracha. You're still operating in a world of you choosing because you're choosing. That's tshuva. It's better. It's on a much higher level than the tzaddik, who never doesn't even have to make that choice. You're operating from truth. But there is something in the end. So, but by the way, before we even get to that, this is what it means to serve the Abishter in the month of Elul in a manner of Geula. It's one thing, Hashem removes the barrier and you feel strongly you want to be connected. And that's what truth is. I want to be connected. As a result of that, what am I going to do? I'm going to learn a lot of Torah, do a lot of mitzvahs, uh, we said earlier, I'm going to do all these things. But why am I doing it? There's still choices. That's tshuva. But Geula, what Chodesh El is opening us to, for us the opportunity to become so infused with our neshama that there should be such a deep Gilui HaNeshama, a revelation of your neshama on such a, such a deep level. Because that's what El is. El opens you up. It opens up your spiritual self. So you can open up your neshama so deeply in the chaydish of Elul that you're even beyond choices. That you bow in moidim, but not just bowing in moidim. Everything godly happens instinctively. And everything that is unholy instinctively gets, gets rejected. Because, because, it's, because it's not you, it's against who you are. 
That's the depth of Chodesh El. So I just want to say that in the end, the beginning of Parshas Re'eh seems to be presenting to us the element of tshuva. The end of Parshas Re'eh reveals to us something about this, this level of, of, of geula, of redemption. Why? Just a very short little thing. I'm going to conclude with this. In the end of the parsha, it says that Vayisa um, you should be besimcha. Only besimcha. So Rashi says the word achsameach. What does achsameach come tell you? Achsameach comes to tell you to include the night of Shmini Atzeres as well. Because in, in, in that, lasimcha, to be besimcha. Because generally it says only six, seven days of sukkis you should be besimcha. You should be happy. So the, it says, Ach Sameach, Ach comes to add the eighth, not eighth day, which is Shmini Atzeres, it's also, an, one should also be happy. So the question over here is, Mepharshim asked the Gurariya and other ask a question. We know the rule is whenever it says Ach, Ach or Rak, it comes to do what? It comes to minimize, it comes to exclude. Here we're taking the word Ach, and what are we doing with the word Ach? We're coming to include the simcha of the eighth day. So how does the ach suddenly change from being exclusive to suddenly become inclusive? doesn't work. And the answer is just very short. This, this, just like we spoke about these three levels of serving God, one of them is you're a tzaddik, so there's no, there's no challenge, there's no options. The other one, there is a, a balchuva where you're overcoming. That's stage number two. Number three is when you are beyond overcoming because Kedusha has become your entire reality, not because you haven't seen anything else, but because you've revealed how deep your connection to the Ebishter is. Simcha also operates on these three levels. There is joy. There is the tzaddik's joy in doing a mitzvah. Torah mitzvah is beautiful. Yiddishkeit is beautiful. You can be besimcha. Ivdu as Hashem besimcha. I am besimcha, I do a mitzvah. That's the joy of all year round. All year round, you're besimcha. A Jew is always supposed to be besimcha because I'm doing mitzvahs and I'm connecting to God. Comes the yomtiv of sukkis, my adim lesimcha, all three yomtivim, but especially sukkis. And there's an extra emphasis on simcha. What's the simcha on sukkis? It's the simcha of a balchuva. You just finished Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and now you just rediscovered your connection to God. It's a higher joy. Why? Because when you recognize how you have challenges and you are on the other side and the side of unholiness and you are able to pull yourself away and reconnect to God, that's so liberating. It's so freeing. There's no greater joy for a person to be able to save himself from his own, from, from himself. Because we all know that the biggest entrapment and our biggest uh, captor can be ourselves. So to save ourselves from ourselves and the joy that comes along of being a truly liberated person is tremendous. Very, very great simcha. But then there is the highest simcha. The deepest, deepest simcha is the simcha of Shmini Atzeres and the simcha of Simcha's Torah. Halachically we know, it's an interesting thing. The sages say that during sukkahs, they used to have a police force, during all the Yomim Tovim, to go around and make sure the simcha doesn't get out of hand. Anyway, because, you know, partying is going on, who knows? So they used to have, as we said before, Avad, Mishmeris, Atzniyas, they would kind of keep things in Yerushalayim, to say, they make sure that things are the way they should be. That's what it was, fine. But it's interesting, on Shmini Atzeres, and Simchas Torah, we know that the limitations go off. In a sense that, well, the Simcha, especially in Hasidic places, the way it is, the Simcha was without a limit, without a limit. There's no, without being the concerns and the worries of, 
Now, I'm not speaking about ne- that, that the truth is that <laughs> sometimes it stops Taka being Simcha and it becomes just a wild, crazy party. Yeah, that's true. But there is, there is a depth to it that there is the, th- this very limitation that there is on. And the answer is because you're not, you're not happy with your choice that you made. is when your deepest self reveals itself and your connection to God is just your only reality. And when this is your only reality, first of all, anything else that is unholy and ungodly is not appealing to you. It's not even existing in you. And therefore, you don't need the danger of, as we spoke about earlier, to watch, to, 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 to police the situation. But it's really much deeper. The joy of Simchas Torah and, 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 and comes from the discovery that my connection to Hashem is so much my identity, that this is who I am and I cannot be anybody else. And my connection to Hashem is, there's that deepest joy comes gushing forth. And as a result of that, here's the thing. You don't need, that's, you don't need a mitzvah to be besimcha. Why are you besimcha? Why do you need a mitzvah? Just like your service of God is because God commands you choose life. When you, do, when you have Bechira, when you have choices, and you're choosing to choose to do that. So then your Simcha is also, it's a mitzvah to be Besimcha. On Sukkot, it's a, you have to choose. It's, it's a result of your choice. But over here, the joy is not a result of your choice. The joy is so spontaneous. It's so real. It's not because, you don't need, a, you don't need to be told to be Besimcha. You are Besimcha. How can you not be Besimcha? If you have such a oneness, with the infinite. Simcha pirates gather. You're out of all gedarim, out of all limitations. But hear the depth of this. That's why the Pasuk says, Vayisa ach sameach. Ach usually means to limit. What's the limit? The limit is, I can't command you to be happy. There's no reason, there's no tzivoy on simcha. Ach is a, is a miyot. On the eighth day, yeah, only on the seventh day you should be besimcha. means the mitzvah to be besimcha is on the seventh days. Comes the eighth day. Larabais, it comes to add a much greater simcha. A simcha that's not coming because you're choosing to be besimcha. Because as a result of your choices that you're doing to be a Jew, it's the discovery that your connection to God is beyond all choices. And as a result of that, of course you're besimcha. And the simcha is really a limitless and infinite joy. So may we, instead of having to wait till simcha's Torah to come to that, we will jump into Elul already with the awareness of that we can discover such our relationship with Hashem doesn't have to be on the limit with, with levels of limitation since we're already living in the days of Mashiach let's really let our souls come forth in all their glory and in all their shine so that our connection to Hashem can be fully realized as just natural to who we are this is our instinctive essence our, meaning our instincts emanating from our essence, that our connection to Hashem is absolutely real. May we merit to have the greatest, highest new year. Hashem, <laughs>